Another episode of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined by my co-host, John. John, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm, I'm good, thank you. You've, uh, you, uh, you've endured the harsh Australian sun in your efforts to complete some quests today? Uh, yeah, I'm just tired and sun. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid I'm sunburnt. Like, I put sunscreen on, and it's like, oh man, it's like my skin still feels kind of rough um yeah yeah also i didn't notice like i don't think i've been called co-host before that's nice hey um, you've uh you've uh you've you've done your time so you've earned you've earned the title yeah (laughs) uh well yeah it's nice though nice to hear um yeah what have you been up to uh me i've been uh i have a confession to make i've relapsed and started playing destiny 2 again I, oh. <laughs> I saw the new content announcements. I looked up kind of the recaps of what has happened over the last three content seasons since uh, the Beyond Light expansion was released. I think it was, if not last year, I think it might have been the year before, but holy crap. <laughs> a lot has happened. And uh, a in lot, a good way? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like as in, one of the main complaints I've had is that the lore of Destiny is so rich but it was never actually portrayed in-game, right? Right. There were a lot of things happening. Like, in Destiny 1, there were these things called Grimoire cards, which are basically like, imagine Yu-Gi-Oh cards, but that had storage on them, right? But there was no way to really... uh, Sorry, that had stories on them. Yeah. But you couldn't really access them in-game. They're like, oh, just go to Bungie.net and read on all the background. What? (laughs) Yeah. I remember that like being like a... (laughs) It's like I've learned like a handful of things about Destiny, you know, like as yeah. as the games of like like just since the first game, and that was one of those like first mm. ones where it's like, oh, that's a weird way to do a, that's a thing in a game. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then with Destiny two, uh, basically those Grimoire cards kind of went away, and you got uh, kind of lore tabs in the game. So those cards basically became like weapon descriptions, item descriptions, general um, store like books. Like, you kind of, like, filled that pages in, like, a codex, right? Okay. Like in Mass Effect or Dragon Age. And uh, now what's happening is that there's a lot of implications. Like, a lot of the characters that kind of did things in the background are now in the foreground. And, like, there's a lot more intrigue, a lot more involved in terms of, you know, betrayal, uh, you know, redemption, like, forgiveness. Um, yeah even like racism like it's it's weird it's there's a lot of kind of it's actually become a a living story with characters that you care about and more of them and you actually see them develop from like two-dimensional kind of tropes to three-dimensional beings and and you, you kind of understand more of their motivations it's like what because one of the things i remember reading like last year or two which i think has always been mm. true is but maybe it's become more true as like the story has become more present in the game is um that the way it's been rotating and vaulting out vaulting content it means you like mm. literally can't access significant story beats anymore yeah i like yeah. i'm kind of curious like if you're getting that sense from it returning to it like have you missed anything yeah. important or you're just like catching up like elsewhere so here's the thing so um tom uh, uh one of our contributors good friend uh, he does 
the uh, end of seasonal reviews, right? So yeah. he covers like kind of in general what's happened, just like a surface level. But he also talks more specifically about the, um, like the actual like kind of new gameplay things and activities that are there, right? So I went and looked at the recaps of the stories of w- of what's been told over the last seasons. But then straight up, you can just go in and play, quote unquote, legacy, and it basically just pl- you can just go through previous campaigns and just play the oh, story okay. missions, get all the cutscenes and everything. However, that only applies to stuff that is still in the game. So, um, for people who don't realize, don't know, when Beyond Light came out last year, so the the big expansion from last year, Bungie, to the. Essentially, the explanation was that, okay, we've got a lot of crap happening. The install size is getting out of control. So what we're going to do is we're going to take back... We're going to vault or... They're basically called vault, which is basically putting into storage uh, locations, campaigns, weapons, things that are like not relevant anymore, not current anymore, and putting them away. And the way it's explained in the game is that oh, well, the darkness, this ancient dark force has smothered and taken over these locations. And, you know, we may see them again, but we don't know. I had no idea there was a law reason for it. I thought it was just (laughs) like, they're gone. (laughs) Like, you can play it later, maybe. Yeah, so... I mean, I guess that's that's true, but I I really didn't expect an in-universe version for it. Exactly. So, the way it was explained is that, well, humanity... Uh, now the darkness, this ancient evil has now come to the solar system and it's slowly swallowing up, you know, planets that we inhabited, right? And they are gone. They've gone dark. We don't know what's happened, right? But there's hope that we may see them again once we free them from the darkness. So I guess in the future, there may be uh, like a, a version of Destiny 2 or Destiny 3, whatever it is that has every single campaign, every single location. But to be fair, um, if you're a new player, you probably would be overwhelmed by just how much there would be, in, in you know, in a seven-year-old franchise. Does the vo- like yeah, like because I understand that, but it's like, does the selection available actually kind of would it be a good selection of content to like get you up to speed as a new player at all? Because I kind of got the impression it's it wouldn't. Well, I mean, maybe like is it? Uh, so what? So basically, um, before I think it was 2019 when the Shadowkeep expansion came out. Destiny created, uh, sorry, Bungie created Destiny New Light, which is basically like a truncated version, like intro campaign. Oh, okay. Essentially, what it's meant to do is just it's like a short series of uh, missions, sort of like the first few missions from like the Destiny, like OG game or like the beta, where you kind of wake up and you're introduced to the concept of light and weapons and the darkness. So basically, it's like three, four missions, and then just takes you straight into just destiny you can play multiplayer do whatever you want right okay basically if you were a if you were a new guardian waking up for the first time you wouldn't be able to go to mars or anything right like if you think of it from a law point of view if those planets are gone they're gone the darkness has swallowed them so you wouldn't be able to go to them anyway yeah yeah and it, and it's like oh but we can learn of tales of those locations by reading the codex and learning about what happened there. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's it very feels, convenient. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels like, uh, it's like, it's like, imagine, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not like saying it's like a good comparison, but it feels like having like a seven season TV show and they're, but they're going to keep yeah. making more. And it's like, oh, now three through five are gone and you can like read yeah. about it. And it's like, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. 
as like, especially when the lore is like such a has such a huge like there's like that's one of the things that seems to be um consistently lauded like the, that mm. series is lauded for is like its lore and its 100%. universe and the idea that it's of kind lore. of doing things to I understand that they need to take measures to control these um storage issues but I mean I don't know I suppose it's not a bad like halfway step but I don't know. Mm. It, it, it's like it's just kind of odd, I suppose, to be like hearing yeah. it from the outside. Like it, it it's yeah. It, you know how uh, TV shows have generally like really good TV shows have like a like a like say the X Files, right? You'd have the episodes that would kind of tell the series long narrative, and then you'd have one off episodes, right? Where you yeah. could just come in, watch it, and then you don't have to worry about it. The next episode, it's reset. So you could kind of think of Destiny like that. You know, the ongoing narrative is that humanity uh, and the traveler who controls the light is fighting against the darkness and the minions within it. But the the one-off stories are each season's campaigns or the current story that's going on. So that that's that's kind of like how you could approach it, I guess. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, so yeah, I think it's something that where makes it's more like, sense, yeah. I, I, I find it very, I'm always interested in like learning about Destiny because I was like, the more it goes on, the more kind of like unwieldy and odd it becomes as like a game. And, yeah, um, yeah. and it's always, it's always interesting to learn more about the mm. specifics because it's always like, there's always new stuff happening and it's always, people either hate it or it's just kind of interesting. <laughs> there's no in between. Yeah. And I think the the problem is that like when Destiny Two was announced, like that was a huge, huge push. It was like the most pre-ordered game ever by like Activision. There was like a okay. lot of marketing and stuff behind it. It was it was a crazy like launch. But I think now that Bungie has stepped away from Activision and has gone independent, obviously the content has changed a lot. There's no more kind of like it's it's less of that kind of churned. You know, expansions every few few months or so. Now it's like kind of okay. Here's a yearly expansion, and then here's seasons of content. You know what I mean? Like like a Fortnite model or something like that. But yeah. the main difference is is that I guess apparently like other games are like this as well, where you know they have they are free to play, but you pay for the expansion content, mm. and that's kind of the way to. And there's always like a a free battle pass and a premium battle pass. Battle pass. That's the way to think of like destiny now it's essentially a free-to-play game but obviously if you want to get the most out of it you're gonna have to pay but i I don't mind because if actually if you actually think about how much it is it's like say for like if you wanted to buy the base game plus a whole year worth of premium battle passes you're looking at about a hundred dollars australian right right which is about the same price as say you know like uh what was that game that just came out um, by Oakley, yeah, please. yeah, sorry, <laughs> the PS5 game that was like a roguelike from Housemark. Oh, uh, um, Returnal. Returnal. Yeah, Returnal. Okay, so it's this about the. It's actually cheaper than Returnal. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it's you could get like if you wanted to, you could get like hundreds and hundreds of hours out of it. Like if you wanted to, like really get into it. Plus, it's it can be played single player, or you can play with other people. There's multiplayer, like, there's a lot in it, so I don't mind it, like, if you actually think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, I yeah. still don't so really want to play it too much, honestly. But it's like, it's it always feels, like, very, like, big. Not necessarily from a story point of view, it's just like, mm. I don't know. I'm not I'm not really the kind of player who, like, kind of person who would um, 
is particularly drawn to it outside of its like mm. kind of stylings and universe stuff. Um, yeah, like it's great to play. It, it feels great, but it is still it has a lot of RPG elements. So character building, quests, objectives. So there's a lot. It can seem overwhelming when you get into it, and that's the that's the thing. Like you're just going to see like a whole bunch of numbers pop up. Imagine you walked into a. Imagine you jumped into an Assassin's Creed. You skipped all of the three hours, four hours of intro, and just went into a full map with everything unlocked. And you're like, "Holy shit!" Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to look at that and be like, "Nah, no way." But if you actually break it down, essentially, it's just shoot things, collect things, and make yourself look cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of the three things, really. But anyway, that's that's. That's destiny. Um, but in terms of storylines and narratives and, and and fighting, let's talk about wrestling. What's going on there, John? <laughs> um, that's a solid segue. I always enjoy a good one. I, I should probably start stop calling them out, but I I, I don't know some of them are. But is rule phrase, one of podcasting? You always call out the segue. <laughs> Apparently, that's the rule. Yeah, it's my rule. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's yeah. Anyway. Yeah, big wrestling thing this weekend from AEW, which is kind of like the hottest, you know, new promotion in the last few years. Would you say it's the largest independent wrestling organization? Is it? Does um, that, um, sound right? I don't know. I don't I guess, know how yeah, to technically, really yeah, because like WWE, I haven't got a good like. I always like blur those letters together. Like it's the worst acronym to say of actually in. Oh, it is out yeah. loud. Anyway, WWE is like publicly traded, so I guess that makes it non-independent, and every other mm. promotion is independent as far as I, I know. There's others that are owned by companies. I don't know, but not as big as AEW is like the big contender. Yeah, AEW is like, like it's really rocketed into like like it's really ballooned in size really mm. really fast. Not in a bad way, but like it's um yeah, it's like the idea that they're competition for WWE, which I think is like kind of I don't know. Every time I read that, it's like, eh, I guess they're still such yeah. like they're still so huge, and it's like, it's like calling something like competitive Disney. It's like, I guess, but it's still kind <laughs> of its own thing. It's like it's like this yeah. like monolith that you can't really compare much to. Um, but I, like, yeah. I mean, it's still like a worthy comparison. It's just like every time people talk about it, it's like, ah, oh, I'm kind of sick of this conversation already. It just feels <laughs> kind of pointless. But um, yeah. Anyway, they had their biggest um, pay per view of like the last of all the ones they've had so far all out 2021 mm. so they have like four a year which i don't know they might up over time because they're getting so big now um a lot a lot could change very quickly with this company because like they weren't you know they've like any other any good business they start out modest so it's like you know yeah and they're scaling up yeah it's like you know they have the tv show which is like a huge thing in the first place like getting like a syndicate or not syndicated like a you know actual television cable show in america like mm. that is not something that's happened for a while at least on this level and now they've got like an, another tv show that's like an extra hour um mm. I, I don't know they're, like they're working their way up slowly in smart ways yeah. rather like because there's like so many wrestling companies like i i still i'm still learning my wrestling history but there's still mm. so many companies that you can like go back and like point at and it's like they just like burn out so fast they just got completely crumble like all the time like it's yeah. just happened over and over again just because it's i guess it's just the nature of the industry in a way because it's like kind of like yeah it's like easy money in a way like it's all like people like kind of sacrificing their bodies to put on a show and you're getting all the ticket prices and then you bring money and merch and into it and like you're making so much money for what you're paying um mm. yeah uh, 
Where was my point? I missed. <laughs> I, I, I got Basically, lost. Basically, it's it's getting big and people still respect it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. What? Yeah, I need to get back to All Out though. All Out was like yeah. it's it's kind of it's um people are like talking about it in a big way, which I don't think I was cool. like fully prepared for. Like I, I I'm not okay. I'm not too surprised by it because there's like some big names coming into it, like coming into the company. Mm. Uh, mainly Daniel mm. Bryan, who's Brian Danielson in like outside of WWE. He's like one of the like the he was um was he a champion th- a couple of years ago? Yeah, like, like he's d- been a WrestleMania think, champion. Or yeah, something? I saw like some listing of like what he's accomplished WWE, and he's like he's like a five-time world champion in WWE, or or maybe outside of I don't know. He's been around a lot, but it's like he, like mm. he main evented the last WrestleMania, and now he's gone. Wow! <laughs> like that's like that's kind that's of like huge. the easiest way of like I've seen to, to describe how big of a shift it is. It's just like um. Like he's not, you know, he's just one of their biggest stars who's like genuinely beloved. Wow, it, it's as if taking, say, Twitch's biggest streamer and then them going over to a competing platform. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> something like that, maybe. Yeah, very, very similar. Um, but it had like. What did you think of it, though? Um, I really enjoyed it. I was kind of, I've, I've been in a bad habit lately with AEW because, like, I watched most of that and I've been kind of dipping my toes into other companies lately. Yeah. Um, but with like watching that, I kind of expect high quality. It's usually high quality, but I usually watch it with my yeah. sister as well. And I tend to like zone out and start chatting a lot. So I tend to like <laughs> lose, I tend to not pay as much attention to all these actually amazing matches, but I had like a few really, it was like, anyway, it's beginning a lot of hype around it. Like, I, I don't think I share it completely, but I definitely wouldn't knock the show at all. It just didn't get me like okay. ultra yeah. hyped in the way that it has Some for people. a lot of other people. Um, but it's like, you know, no, like, bad matches, all, like, pretty good, some good... St- it wasn't even, like, a story-heavy show, which I kind of realized today, where it's like, it's amazing it's getting this response, and there wasn't even any, like, especially big storylines coming to its, like, ahead. Like, because usually that's kind yeah. of where those kind of crowd reactions and emotions come in, is where, like, you're finally seeing the finale of something. And that that kind of happened a little bit, but not really. It was all like kind of stopgap stuff with some big reveals, and it was okay. like it's still like you know it was still such a good show, in spite of it. Like, okay, it sounds like there's more action than story. Whereas like WWE, a lot of it seems like the drama comes from the story, not from what happens in the ring a lot of the times. Yeah, I won't go into it too much because like frankly, I just don't know enough. But um, yeah. every time I keep learning little bits and pieces about WWE because I've only watched like. I don't know, 10 to 20 matches total. Yeah, I think I mentioned that last yeah. time. It's like 10 to 20 <laughs> matches on YouTube or something like that. Yeah. Um, and otherwise, I just haven't seen WD really at all. Um, but every yeah. time I hear little bits about it, it's like, man, people actually talk for like 15 minutes at a time. Like how, like, yeah. like even like promos in AEW that go for like five minutes, like those feel long because yeah. like there's no way to sustain enough. Like there's not enough. That's so much, <laughs> too much monologue. And they have like skits and stuff. And it's like, they don't announce who's wrestling on a show but ahead of time. Like, yeah. there's like maybe one match for like three hours of show. And those matches are usually really yeah. short. So it's like, man, who ch- Like, I don't get oh, it. So it's like a Kojima game. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, I guess. <laughs> it's weird and dumb <laughs> when, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, like when, when Kojima's like, hasn't like given complete carte blanche and has no editing, no one to oversee him and tell him to get back to the point. That, yeah, <laughs> that's what I imagine that to be, but not in a good way. Like not good Kojima. This is like one of those like bad Kojima. 
Yeah, but it's been like that for like a couple of decades or something now. Apparently, so yeah. it's just been kind of bad. Like I don't yeah. know. I'm just hearing hearing hearsay, and it's like I'm not even trying to like rag on it. It's just like I'm so used to these. Like every every other company operates like almost opposite. Differently, it's like hearing all these little bits about how that like WWE shows work. It's like that's so weird to me. Like seeing yeah, like being a new enough. fan from every uh, from everything <laughs> outside it. Um, but yeah, good show, big wrestling thing. Uh, if you're, sweet. it's worth learning about it if you're interested in wrestling at all. It's sweet, being that sweet. kind of thing. Did you get the chance to play anything over the past week? Yeah, I wasn't sure if we talked too much already, <laughs> but I played um, Umurangi Generation and Wolfenstein Youngblood. Um, they're both like relatively short games, so I was able to get through them pretty That's fast. Umurangi um, is really nice. It's like uh, made by a uh, New Zealander, but I think it's like kind of it's a kind of like an oceanic dystopia. Um, I think like um, yeah. I need to... I don't have the name. I remember there the, was some buzz around that. Yeah, like I was very excited about it when I learned about it like months after it came out. It's like, oh, whoa, this is mm. like exactly my jam. Um, it's... it's. I think the creator describes it as like um, shitty dystopia is the genre for it. Um, <laughs> which is accurate. It's like, you know, it's like it's... Um, I think it ends with the line about... Um, dedicated to the umurangi generation like umurangi has um i think it's a it's either aboriginal or maori word or something like that i, uh, I, need, gotcha. I need to go back but um it's basically it ends like the main game ends with the line about dedicated to the umurangi generation the last people like last generation has to see the world like burn or die or something like it's it's very bleak oh wow but it's Jesus. it's it's kind of especially if you live here like because it like hits on like there's like newspaper clippings of like prime ministers gone like you know gone to on vacation while the world burns um okay that kind of you know it's like so that's it's, like oh yeah that happened here didn't it it's like oh yeah wow okay so imagine so it's sort of got the the blade runner idea of just life is shit <laughs> life yeah. is just shitty but it's um it's and very um anti-fascist as well it gets very yeah. very open about it in the um dlc campaign um called macro it's um it's it's very exciting and cool i, th- I have like a little quibbles with it but otherwise it's yeah. very very especially as like a solo dev effort it's very yeah. remarkable fair enough yeah. fair enough well, yeah hey maybe uh you might have to do a a little later article about it or something <laughs> maybe i feel like i can't really do it justice but we'll see <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah in terms of, you know, uh, playing games and, and sharing some thoughts um, about Button City. I know we were both kind of looking forward to it, especially when we saw it at uh, the Wholesome Games Direct. Yeah, that's from, right. From uh, Summer Games Fest or like E3. It was kind of like at that same time. Uh, so in terms of articles that came out last week, uh, Ben finally had the chance to review Button City and... Unfortunately, it seems like beyond the aesthetic, like that laid-back aesthetic that it's got going on, like that cutesy kind of like... It's kind of like Animal Crossing with pastel colors and really vibrant color palette. The the I'll quote now what Ben said. He said that the poor interactive elements and general lack of polish, end quote, is what kept it from being like a very memorable experience. Yeah, that, that was right. one thing that um, that stood out was him um, saying that I'm not sure, not sure how often it comes up in the game. I'd have to play it, I suppose. 
but um he says that one of the main mini games is like a MOBA which I was really like I was like whoa what <laughs> um but it's like a I think it's like a story connected sort of mini game that you have to do mm. occasionally but apparently the AI yeah. is terrible and kind of makes it sort of boring and long uh, which yeah. is kind of like oh, okay that's kind of it feels a little emblematic of the game's problems mm. like reading about that um yeah it feels like a game it's, it's where it's like, like i want a bunch of like i want a, a lot of little mini games to kind of mm. while away my time without feeling yeah. like dedicated to it uh, it sounds yeah. like it kind of i mean that's just my personal opinion so but it's um yeah it sounds like it kind of missed the mark on what i was kind of expecting from it i suppose personally at mm. least and ben didn't really seem yeah. to be as into it as they might have hoped so it's it's one of those games that you, you, you it's it's better to watch it in a trailer than to play it it seems like which is unfortunate yeah yeah sounds about right yeah <laughs> all righty well uh let's uh move on to the news story which is a disappointing one sorry everyone is that sony you know a fan favorite company over the past generation is continuing its kind of slide into anti-consumer behavior and uh what what's happened this week is that horizon forbidden west the next big game from guerrilla games uh, you know, a lot of hype around it. A lot of people looking forward to it. It got pushed to, uh, I think it was February next year, February 18, which, you know what, these things happen. Not a big deal. But last week, Sony released a trailer plus unveiled, you know, the the digital and the physical kind of collector's edition for the game. And one of the interesting things was that there was a, lo- a little lack of clarity about, you know, hey, you said there, were gonna, there was going to be a free upgrade from PS4 to PS5 for this game. There's no mention of it anywhere. Sony, all we can see is that, you know, you're going to charge us to... We basically have to buy the game again, right? Um, so, Jim Ryan, uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment President and CEO. So, basically, the boss of PlayStation as we think of it now, right? He's, he's also the guy who most famously was like, why, did, why would anyone want backwards compatibility in a console? <laughs> this this is the guy, all right? So he uh they so Sony updated the the blog post with the announcements for all those limited editions and actually came out and said, "All right, all right, we've listened. We're going to we're going to we're going to go back. We're going to re-promise, we're going to recommit to the original promise of giving everyone free upgrades from PS4 to PS5 if they get Horizon Forbidden West." But instead of leaving it there making everyone happy, Jim Ryan added that, oh, by the way, going forward, no more Sony first-party exclusive games will have any free upgrades. You're going to have to pay $10 US per game. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's disappointing. (laughs) It's like, okay, think of it. The first announcement, free upgrades, yay. Everyone's happy. Sony gives you a kiss. Second announcement, we're delaying it. You're bummed out, but you're all right. Then Sony's like, oh, by the way, are you going to have to buy the game again if you want to upgrade? So it's like a slap in the face. Then yeah, Jim Ryan comes not. along. He's like, you know, he, pu- he, puts a b- he, he comes over, soothes you, makes you feel warm, pats you on the back, and then with the other hand, slaps you in the face again. So it's like, w- what's happening? <laughs> like, this is a bit of a dickhead move. Yeah, what is this paternal relationship? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, 
I guess the argument, like to balance the argument, is that on the other side of things, as games become more technically challenging, like there's a lot more required. You know, you need higher quality assets. You need to do more testing. You need to make sure they run on both, you know, two levels of systems, right? There's a lot more work that goes into it. So uh, PS5 games should cost more than P- uh, PS4 games. You know, we saw that with a Returnal. You know, to mention that again, that was a $70 game in the US versus $60 for a traditional PS4 game. In Australia, it didn't really change too much because like our RRP for games has still been around $120. But on in shops, you would really, you'd see most games come out at, you know, $79, $89 to undercut, you know, the retail price. Maybe you've seen it more of us. Like, I like I think in Australia, the average price for a new release is like $70 or $80. Exactly, um, and then right. it, like they amped it up up to like 110. Like I'm not sure if it's settled down lately. So EB, so that's the thing. The retail price since the P- so on the PS3, the retail price for games was 120 bucks. I know this because I bought Rainbow Six Vegas from EB Games for that price. <laughs> because I was too young, I didn't realize that you know while you don't buy games from EB Games at full price, you price match at EB Games. Or you buy from their bins. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then when I got a bit older, then I realized, oh, you know, like JB, Harvey, whatever, other shops had it cheaper. Right? And then you... Anyway, so the street price is usually lower than the retail price. But that's changing. Like Returnal in like Australia is like 110 bucks. Versus yeah, it's really expensive. Versus a PS4 game is still at about 80 bucks, right? Yeah, I'll so mention actually... Sorry to interrupt, mm, but like... Yeah, um, yeah. Like I've got like a digital-only PS5 which I kind of like oh, I, I, I'm completely fine with for the most part because like I, I realize like um, it's I don't buy many games like I buy a lot of Physically like discount anymore. games on PSN because we have like pretty good sales yeah. in the power region yeah. um, so it's like it's really that big a problem and I always wait for sales anyway but it's become a problem yeah. with PS5 games because like they start off so stupid high and they go yeah. on like especially like first party stuff they don't go on sale or at least they don't go on sale for a while and then it's like on top of that, they're starting off at a high price. So it's just like, oh, 30% off, $120. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. And th- that's the thing because the trade-off with the digital edition is that you pay less up front, but you may pay l- more in the long term if you buy games uh, like day one. Because, you know, games do go on sale, but it takes a while. And you're right. Um, you know, at, at the argument is that when it's a physical product on a shelf there's limited space, whether it's in a warehouse for an online store or on a sh- on, on the shelves in a retail store, right? You know, if you go behind the counter, there's only so many slots for a disc to fill up those boxes on the shelf. Whereas with a, a like a, a completely digital release, there's n- that argument's kind of thrown out the window. The limitation then becomes, you know, how, like bandwidth cost, you know, the cost to store it in the cloud or download it, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. that's getting cheaper by the day. So... It's it's tricky, you know. Like the the manufacturing cost may stay the same, but the cost of developing the game is going up, right? So there's there's two sides to this story where it's like, you know what? If it costs more to make a game, shouldn't we be paying more for the product, right? From the yeah. from a developer or publisher's point of view, but from a consumer's point of view, I guess no one wants to pay more than they already are. <laughs> yeah, it's kind I mean? of dumb because it's like it's um I don't feel. I don't know. I probably should feel stronger, stronger about it as a consumer, but I just don't. Mm. But like, it's like laid out like that. It's like we're getting drawn into the this kind of like endlessly escalating price war between major developers. 
because gaming yeah. games are making getting more expensive to make because they're always competing with each other in terms of like technology or scale mm. or whatever so they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more expensive more expensive and then like yeah. this is like way of like shouldering the cost a little bit but they're always yeah. like they're still selling well but they're still like yeah. it's like it's like this like rapid climb that is like not really ever going to hit a proper plateau they're just going to get bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger and it's not yeah. going to end and like that's it's, kind of why it's, it's tricky, hard to man. like buy into it. Like I, I was like when it, like when it was the price hike was announced, it's like oh that sucks, but it's like I didn't really feel too much more towards it. Um, but it's um, yeah, I think just because I always and, get stuff on sale anyway, so it's like oh, mm. okay. Um, and like the former boss of PlayStation, Sean Layden, he he like on the weekend he talked about oh you know what, he, when when he spoke to Bloomberg, he says like I wouldn't be surprised if games can cost up to two hundred million dollars US to make. Yeah, because like um, that's a Marvel movie budget. Yeah, because I think I mean? Rockstar like uh, oh, it's been a long time since I read it, but didn't GTA Five cost like three hundred million or something, or maybe a hundred million? I believe yeah, like including marketing and everything. Yeah, like I think it was a hundred. I think it was a hundred. I want to. Yeah, it was a big amount. Much. It was like it was like one of the first games to go into that, um, like whatever digits that is, like eight digits or whatever. I don't know, but it's like yeah. that was like a big story. Right. Yeah. But if that's yeah. going to become the norm for a AAA title, you know, it's going to be hard to justify those same prices, especially because, you know, with inflation, a dollar now is worth less than a dollar was like ten years ago. Right. Right. Like, but then the fun. But then, it's 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 complicated because then you got things like Game Pass, which is like oh you know fifteen bucks a month or whatever, but you get Xbox Game Pass on PC and Xbox, and you get um, Xbox Live Gold, you know what I mean. So, those subscription services or humble bundles or like Steam sales, when games get drastically reduced, it might change our perception of how much how much we should pay for a game, right? You know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. If if every first party Microsoft game comes to uh, Game Pass, and that's gonna set you back, say about one hundred and eighty dollars for a year, right? Whereas if you buy two PS5 exclusives, that's going to cost you more than a whole year of Game Pass. It 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 warps your sense of value. Yeah, you know, it's like I wonder a, if that's changing things. Yeah, because uh, I don't have anything to say now, but I remember like a, a month or two ago, I did have something. I was was thinking about that and like things like mm. about how Game Pass will. Um, yeah, because I, I don't think it will naturally devalue things. Um, mm. in a way I hope it like kind of reduces um, workload and like the budgets that mm. are required when you're not going to get like that kind of like massive profit hole at the end of it because yeah. you're, you're not really gambling in the same way that all these other games yeah. are mm. but I feel like there's still not a necessarily like pure positive endpoint to it I mean, I'm happy. I don't know. Yeah. I think games really need to scale down, and they need to do it sooner rather than later. I mean, maybe yeah. not later, sooner. I don't know. They're gonna keep making them, <laughs> but it's like, like it's thing. something that really should happen for the sake of like cutting yeah. this stuff off at a head before things. It like happened that. with it. It happened with movies, right? Streaming warped people's value of a movie. You know what I mean? You could buy one DVD for two months of Netflix. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It it uh, back in the day you could watch a movie in the theaters and then you'd hope and then you wait till it came out on a videotape or DVD. So Hollywood had 
two forms of two times you could get revenue out of you or maybe three times every time there's a re-release but when you go to streaming it's kind of like um that that kind of lump sum isn't there now it's all like maybe they get paid per view or you, you know, like netflix might agree on a certain amount of revenue share or something like that right so it hollywood suffered hollywood took a big kind of you, you it, it's you you lost kind of the middle films you you went you had there was always like the mega films the blockbusters you you kind of your middle films that had like a decent budget but not crazy and then you had like indie films or like art films who were like made on a shoestring that kind of middle echelon of films is gone you know it's either like marvel well, or it's, well, it's like, like they've really kind s- of come back though is is that what you were leading to like- well well the thing is that it took it it's taken like 10 years for that to come back you know it, and it's slowly coming back right and now Netflix and Disney and stuff, they're the ones... Like, the streaming services are now funding those middle-tier productions, right? With games, how long will it take for games to get there? You know, we already talk about the loss of... Uh, like, you know, we li- for the longest time, we lamented the loss of publishers like Atari, um, Infograms, and, like, uh, THQ. You know, you had... You had your EAs, your Activisions, you had your indie games, and then you had kind of the middle tier publishers, the B games. You know, they they weren't the biggest budgets, they weren't the biggest like scale of games, but they still had enough. They were still bigger than an indie title. Oh, but even those like, uh, and they still had a decent marketing and stuff. Oh, well, them. like what year are you thinking of this? With this, exactly? well, no, like that's what I'm saying. Like, I think the the over the PS4, like there was no THQ, like, there was no like mid level publishing in in the ps4 era like before that the like the, the ps3 360 era was probably the last one right yeah yeah that's when you had games like um dead island come out where it was it wasn't it wasn't completely triple a it wasn't completely indie but it still had a decent budget behind it still had a decent amount of you know steam behind it and then that kind of went away over the past generation as as, as i've seen it you know looking from the outside and now it's starting to kind of... I wonder if that's going to start creeping back in. Or is the trend of Sony and Microsoft and EA are just going to buy all the big companies, you know? Is, yeah. is Embracer Group the only one that is buying... that is going to release B-level games? Because <laughs> it's the only one that has enough money to kind of throw at some project in the mid-tier, like a Saints Row. Yeah, like but I think not like... not enough to make a GTA. Yeah, like, like the way I think about it, it feels like... Like the indie sector sort of like filled in that gap during the last generation, mm. and they've kind of like grown into their own little. I'm not using the term right, but like cottage industry, like their own little like yeah. their own little bubble in industry where it's like you're indie, you have your own like you're able to get like small budgets from like smaller publishers or even just like I don't know some sort of investment, minor investment, mm. and you're able to make these smaller games. And now now these like this level of games, these smaller indie titles are starting to get like noticeably bigger as well as that kind of section expands in terms of like what smaller devs are capable of with the technology and engines afforded them. Um, Mm. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I don't think I have too much to add. This conversation's gone for a while. I've kind of lost the thread a little bit. Yeah, my bad. But basically, uh, like to sum it up, basically, it happened happened with movies where you now you've kind of got the big and the small and the middle is kind of being substituted by the the streaming services themselves, right? Oh, sorry. That's what I was going to say. Is like, because yeah. um, of the streaming stuff, it's like, it's like movies, well, not so much in the last couple of years, but like movies were still like selling really well at the higher tier. 
and like that's mm-hmm. kind of what's happening with like the indie like the bigger devs in the like along like the more exclusive titles alongside third party titles like because yeah the reason the game pass thing happened or at least in my eyes is that it was a way to undercut the quality level that both nintendo and sony because nintendo had that for a yeah. long time and then sony kind of caught up and mm. kind of established themselves as their own like you know as like is it made by playstation themselves like indicator of quality like that's where like, yeah that's how you connect those two dots and microsoft has yeah. had trouble trying to succeed in the same area so they've yeah. kind of like scaled back a bit went like for like you know quantity over quality you know some ways mm. and then you know quality will still be there it just won't be yeah it just doesn't match the sort of um the reputations of nintendo and sony so they kind of like take mm. another angle on it and ultimately yeah. it's like the goal is to undermine that sort of like quality first mentality especially yeah. as like sony increases their prices like that's not gonna like that is like um kind of stretching the scale further on both sides you know like it's kind of like mm. microsoft is kind of like kind of pulling back on the price while yeah. uh, like on like what you get for a price while sony is kind of pushing yeah. forward with higher prices yeah based on the idea that you'll buy them for the quality and people do and i don't think that's really slowing down much like i get the pressure people are still paying like slightly higher amounts now in similar yeah. you know quantities um so yeah. i don't know it's uh, like I think ultimately Microsoft is like kind of like, in a, like um, as long as they get a few classics from their mm. new roster of developers, which I think they will because those developers are very good. Um, yeah. I think ultimately Microsoft are going to like, you know, quote unquote win this sort of <laughs> like tug of war. Consumer tug of war. Well, like look at it this way. The people who like if you look at the movie industry, right? Physical like physical releases aren't selling anymore except for like really nice collector's editions you know steel books or you know really nice like oh here's um like most recently neon genesis evangelion came out in this really nice kind of for the first time on blu-ray collector's edition blah 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 and then you've got streaming so you've got streaming is for everyone and then like kind of collectors will get the physical stuff music streaming is for everyone cds are pretty much dead but you know people like collecting records Right? Yeah, like vinyl is getting like bigger and bigger. Exactly, right? <laughs> but they're like a collector's thing. They're a physical, tangible thing. Do you think games... How soon do you think games will go there? Where it's like, okay, you know, streaming or digital only is for everyone. But if you're like a, if you're like a collector and you want the, the feel of it, you're one of those weirdos who has a physical game disc. You know what I mean? Like, is that going to become a thing? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, probably eventually, really. But it's like, it kind of makes me yeah. think it's like, there's kind of a different like quality, like a, not quality, like a value um, associated exactly. with individual games. Like you're paying a lot and you're getting like several hours there and like, you know, you get, well, it's like, mm. you know, 60 US for like a full game that you own. And that's kind of why there's so always so much backlash against like online only, like less now, yeah. but there mm. was so much when it started because people yeah. associated like, the price they're paying with the knowledge that they own it in a hard version. Mm. Like, you know, it's like owning a book. Like you can't lock, like, yeah. you know, you can't put a digital padlock on a book. <laughs> that's kind of the idea. Yeah. And that's kind but of like, do we really own games anymore? Like even, even no, a really. game like, say for example, you bought, um, say a game like Grand Theft Auto, right? On, I bought it on PS5. Oh, sorry. I bought, I bought a PS4 disc. I got a JB, and I'll get a PS4 disc. If my console is any way connected to the internet, 
um, it's not going to let me play without patching, probably, right? It won't let me, you know, y- you know what I mean? Like, I can't just stick a disc in a game and just play. I need to need to have some sort of hookup to the internet. It, it needs to be patched or it's not going to talk to the servers for GTA or Sony. And it won't, maybe it won't let me, like, even start the campaign or whatever, right? Yeah. So, do we really own the games? Like, setting aside the fact that, you know, when you buy a game digitally, it's, you know what I mean? It's it's so hard now. I can't. Yeah. I, like, I know, I know that much. Yeah. It's a hard thing to fully predict other than it's just going to kind of trend in the same direction it's been trending. Like, yeah. it's kind of, it's, I'm curious to see how it turns out, you know, in a decade yeah. or two. But it's, um, yeah. yeah I know like, PC games are gone. Like, you, when you buy a game now, it's literally just a code in a box. <laughs> yeah and steam have built up enough goodwill and like just general like you know uh like just such a huge like completely or like almost universal place in the industry that they're kind of like yeah. it's become that's you know like that people are like cool with it because and also but also the nature of pc means that people can like kind of get hard copies anyway but um if they want to but um yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting yeah. to see. Oh, I also wanted to finish this off by saying that I think <laughs> PlayStation. Yeah, um, go, I feel like PlayStation were like not expecting quite as much of a backlash, or people just not yeah. remember what they said before because they already did it with Ghost of Tsushima, a little bit. Yeah, like that was kind of. I think that was easier to stomach for most people because like, oh, getting DLC as well and getting a couple of new features. Yeah. Um, but like, I think people. Whereas like, when I think, it's the exact same game. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, this one is like I think people are kind of. I think I don't think they were expecting much of anything, though. Maybe yeah. they were expecting a little bit, but them reacting clearly means that yeah, it was like, more it's than like they I, I already gave you money, Sony, to buy your damn console. <laughs> like, do I have yeah. to pay you again? At least they've clarified yeah. it going forward. I, I mean, I'm not sure if that's something, but it's it's nice to know. <laughs> yeah. Like that that was the main thing that was should have been the news is that Sony has committed to charging going forward. It's not that it went back and you know commit you know is going to make it free, like that. It, Sony already promised that. It's now like now uh, we know just, for a fact it's changing. I just realized it reminds me of so much of like the online passes that didn't last very long. Like yeah. I think they only lasted for like a couple of years or so. Oh, maybe they lasted yeah. really long. I don't know. Like I don't remember EA, them very long. Uh, Ubisoft and stuff. Yeah, basically, if people who weren't around or don't remember, uh, essentially the the frustration that publishers and developers had was that hey. If someone buys my game secondhand, I get no money. So then the publishers had the brilliant idea of like, okay, you bought the game secondhand, but if you want to do anything online, pay us a $10 fee or whatever so that you, can, you get the online pass so you can play the games online. So that was something that happened, I think I think it went for like a couple of years uh, during the PS3 360 generation. Yeah, I always associate it with Mass Effect. Yeah, uh, yeah I know EA was big. On that. Yeah, I'm sure it happened with a lot of others. I always remember that. Yeah, that's kind of what's reminded me of that. It's like, oh yeah, it's like a kind of a slightly useless, like, uh, yeah, cost-saving effort. But um, yeah, I think we've talked about this a bit yeah. too long now. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we'll we'll see if other people follow. We'll we'll, you know, we're not going to solve this. We're not going to settle this at this moment. Like this is an evolving thing. So, um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to the next story, which is uh, about uh. Midnight Suns from uh, from Firaxis and Marvel. Yeah, so after the CGI trailer from the week before, as I understand. Yeah, Gamescom. Yep. Yes, yeah, my timeline isn't very good. <laughs> bad memory. Yeah. Um, they've <laughs> revealed a couple of new trailers. I I honestly only watched the longer one because, but there's like yeah. basically revealing how the game plays, like the 
first yeah. like sight of card-based RPG gameplay that is going yeah. going on. It's just a longer version of the stand of the the gameplay trailer, the two-minute gameplay trailer, and then there's a six-minute version. That's ba- it's the same trailer. Yeah, like it kind of expands yeah. on some of the systems that it's um, introducing. Yeah. So um, yeah, so as it's revealed, it's like card-based, which I I don't think I was expect. It's not too much a surprise, it's like, um, but it's. Uh, yeah, it was a surprise still. Like, it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I kind of explained mm. the comments last week from, like, you know, not, not doing anything from earlier games. It's like, that comes out. Yeah, it's like, it's, oh, it's I see nothing. what you mean. It shares no gameplay systems to XCOM is, like, I think one of the quotes from, uh, like, the, the creative director, Jake Solomon. Yeah, because I was, like, talking about it with my sister today, and I was like, I kind of realized, like, I was kind of thinking about it when I was going over the digest again. And I was thinking about yeah. how I was like, oh, it kind of plays a bit like Divinity, actually. Like where it's like, mm. you know, 3D movement across like, um, instead of like grid-based, like XCOM, I believe is. Yeah. Um, it's been a second since I played it. Um, yeah, but it's like 3D movement, like free movement and like environmental things to like interact with. So like one of the things mm. that it shows off in the trailer is like positioning Wolverine. So he does like a stab move or whatever and like throws yeah. a goon into like a barrel behind him. And it's yeah. like, I kind of like clicked. I was like, oh, that's what it's, it's going to be like. That's actually really mm. fun. Um, yeah, I like so I'm kind of into it. Like I'm not against it at all. I think it's I yeah. think it's fun. Um, so it's kind of like I think the, from the trailers, I kind of got the sense it's kind of got like the structure of Mass Effect to me, where you have kind of have a, have a mm-hmm. hub. You have like teammates that you kind of like learn more about and connect with, and they get stronger yeah, because you have of dialogues, it. Dialogues, dialogue options, and cutscenes like that. Yep. Yeah, and you have a customizable main character and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, yeah, so. Um, some more info that came out was that the developer, I think it was because of the card-based stuff, that there was a bit of a immediate backlash about like maybe microtransactions because cards. Um, yeah. So they've clarified that, quote, loot boxes or related microtransactions to get more cards that in-game purchases will include... Oh, wait, what did I say? Oh, will not feature <laughs> loot boxes or related yeah. microtransactions. <laughs> and that in-game purchases will include, quote, purely cosmetic character skins that won't that won't, quote, affect game balance in any way, end quote. A lot of quotes. Um, yeah, so yeah. Fire, Fire Axis noted that players will be able to unlock tons of, comet, quote, tons of cosmetics by simply playing the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Which is... So basically no pay to win, from what it sounds like. Yeah, which like uh, shouldn't be surprising. Fire Axis makes yeah. good stuff, and they haven't done that before, I don't think, yeah. at all. Like, really at all. Um, yeah. But... Um, yeah, like I'm liking the look of it. I was like, uh, like seeing the trailer again, like seeing kind of like being exposed, like introduced to the game again during gameplay. It kind of like got me like back on like, man, I wish this was a little different because it really feels like um, when the leak happened, I was expecting like kind of, yeah, like what I was saying last week is like I was expecting like kind of like supernatural deep cut Marvel. Like I was expecting like kind of weirder side of stuff in the universe, like not so much, but this one's more like a supernaturally flavored version of avengers because like half mm. the cast are like mainstays um yeah. like you know like iron man and captain marvel are like such weird fits for this series like i kind of like the contrast yeah. but it's weird like it doesn't because like and like seeing the like the main story is about um it's about hydra reviving mm. this villain called lilith who will eventually mm. lead to the revival of someone else like some other big yeah. bad who's like cthulhu i think something like that that's basically the gist of it. Yeah. But it's like in the gameplay, it's like your ma- like the main villains they're showing off is like just hi- like red hydra goons, and it's like oh man, I want to kill like vampires and stuff. Like what's this? <laughs> like it's just yeah, like uh, like if 
like I, I'm not a bit. I'm not too well versed in like the Marvel comics, but from what I could tell, like the original Midnight Suns storyline from the comics is like okay here are these less popular less well-known marvel characters let's give them let's make them into a team and give them like a more darker kind of fantasy inspired storyline versus just oh you're gonna fight people in suits yeah pretty much like it's like like the avengers films in in a way yeah it's like it's kind of like they're wearing their like gold like special friendship suits because i'm pretty sure those are the ones where like you max out their like social links and you get like these like golden suits that give them like stronger powers and stuff. Yeah, I'm as pretty I understand sure that's it. what this is going to have, I guess. Yeah, um, that's kind of I think that's part of the reason it reminded me so much of Mass Effect. It's just, like it kind of has yeah. this very like orderly military look to it, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. I was like, like because I, I last week I compared it to Justice League Dark, and that's like I don't have much experience with either. I'll say that this is basically based on like me being like somewhat ignorant about all of it, but having I like my own imagined ideas for what i kind of hope it would look like and it's like this yep. looks i i trust fire access to make a good game and i also won't judge it yep. completely based on these initial trailers this is very much a first impressions thing and what my yep. I, I was hoping my first impressions to be positive because i was expecting something a little more like um just kind of just kind of stranger i guess like just something that didn't remind mm-hmm. me of the mcu so much and it kind of does and it's just like oh okay it's just like I yeah, like at least it, I can use the weird ones I want, but yeah. like I like I love that Ghost Rider's in it. I love that like and um, who is it like Magic? Who's like kind of yeah. a deep cut actually because she hasn't. Oh, she was in that New Mutants movie I didn't watch, um, but otherwise she's like very much a comic, yeah. like fan. Like this favorite. was an opportunity. This was an opportunity to Firaxis to kind of go like wacky or like kind of involve things and, and just do like a completely original story that you you haven't seen with characters that you don't really see but it's yeah it, it's not like that at all yeah um returning to the point of like no loot box stuff like i think the re- yeah. reason i got that reaction was because of the avengers game <laughs> i probably should have mentioned that already <sighs> like yeah. that makes sense actually um in and like marvel heroes like on i think there was like a free to play online game as well and then there was also like marvel it's like marvel card games on like like WWE Supercard and there's like Marvel versions of those card games on phones which are heavily kind of biased towards in-game uh, purchases. So I yeah. think that's where it came from as well. Yeah, so personally I'm a little disappointed it doesn't remind... Like I want like Hellboy vibes personally. Like I want like Gothic, yeah. I want Dark, I want it like lots of like fantasy magic-y stuff but it's just like, yeah. oh man, I don't, like Iron Man is like almost literally the opposite it is like I, I like I don't. It's it's fine. Like again, I'm sure it'll be good, and I'll probably get more excited yeah. as I reveal more of it. Um, <laughs> but it's just like you know, beating Hydra yeah. goons with Iron Man. It's like that's not what I want. You know what? We'll find out. We'll, yeah. we'll find out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so really good way to um segue into the next topic but i know that it's been it's been discussed a lot is you know twitch as its place as a, as a media platform and as its responsibility towards its streamers to kind of protect them when there's uh, you know things like hate raids where basically a whole bunch of users kind of you know ambush a stream and just start hurling abuse or like really shitty behavior and shitty words against streamers generally streamers from minorities um, and I guess uh, a few streamers 
few larger streamers got together and and uh, kind of uh, organized a protest. So the hashtag a day off Twitch protest took place last week, I think on the 1st of September. And essentially uh, a few notable streamers kind of committed to uh, not streaming on that day to raise awareness about, you know, the harassment that's going on and the lack of what they view as, you know, uh, lack of action on, on Twitch's part. So uh, we've now got like some of the, the first figures that have uh, come through in terms of what the impact that that protest had. So the first figures from the A Day of Twitch protest have come in and these figures are courtesy of GameSight and Twitch Tracker which uh, tracks kind of uh, the, the numbers, the data coming out of Twitch. Very, very important sources. So the, the first figure is that Twitch's total viewership hours, so like how many, so the complete amount of hours that everyone in the world watched Twitch for that day dropped by 16.5%. That's about 10 million hours. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. Like I wasn't expecting yeah. that. Like I was expecting such yeah. a big drop. And then the the other one, the even bigger one is that the average peak viewers dropped by 22%. 22.2% specifically. And that's, uh, so that is, on a typical day, Twitch has about 4.5 million people watching. Uh, at peak, on this day, on the day of the protest, it dropped down to 3.5 million. So, you know, one in four people opted, it's, it's like one in five people opted not to show up that day. That's, that's, like, yeah, I know that um, correlation, like causation and correlation, that whole relationship, you know, just because it happened at the same time doesn't mean it was a result of it. But it is, it, it was, you know, it, it, I'd say that, you know, if you have a couple of big streamers that have like, you know, multiple millions of followers not showing up on a day like that, I'm sure that has an impact. And when we see it here. Yeah, it's like, the, um, yeah, like having, it clearly had enough significant personalities attached to mm. the protest that actually had like made a real impact and and that's the thing like twitch is owned by amazon right and amazon doesn't have the best track record when it comes to you know looking after its workers <laughs> and the people that make it successful but you know you can't argue with numbers <laughs> you can't argue with okay there's uh one there's a, a f we had a fifth less people concurrently viewing that's a fifth less people we can reach with advertising, you know, with subs, with whatever, you know what I mean? And yeah. And interestingly enough, like, Twitch actually delayed its annual September promotion where it's like discounted rates for subscribing where a, a subscription is where you actually pay and you get perks for subscribing to a, uh, like a, 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 um, a channel, right? So this is like a big promotion that Twitch does every year and this... Like Twitch delayed it, so clearly it acknowledges that it exists. But when Eurogamer asked for like a specific response to this protest, a Twitch pro spokesperson said, and I quote, "We support our streamers' rights to express themselves and bring attention to important issues across our service." And it's, and there wasn't really anything about this protest in particular. It was just kind of like a boilerplate saying, "Hey, you know, we support anything that people do to raise awareness." but we're not going to actually acknowledge that this protest happened. It's a very... Sorry, I'll just keep recording. Yeah, it's a very fishy uh, development. Like, wh what do you think about that, like, non-comment? 
yeah, it's not not surprising. So like you know, it's like Twitch is very much an arm and up, arm of Amazon in that it's um, reacts in the same exact uh, mm. careless sort of way. Um, yeah, very. Um, yeah, yeah. I was honestly just like kind of like I'm not. It's hard to say if it'll have much impact right now, right? Like it's it's very early days since it mm. happened, but it's like it's kind of nice to know that it's yeah. um that it that it had any, any impact at all because I remember there was discussion before it from between like streamers and between just like mm. followers in general, I suppose, saying that's like you know skepticism. Yeah, like it, that you know it could have an impact at all. Like it could just like you know hurt streamers, I suppose. Be a flop. Or you know just or, you know just yeah. not be um, useful. I think another one was like it could um, highlight people to hate raid in the future. Uh, or is that what's called hate raid? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So hate raid. Yeah. Yep. So it's um, yeah. I hopefully this is like a positive across the board. Like I think it's too early to say if mm. it has much of an impact. But um, yeah, it's it's it nice to see that the protest actually did something rather than you know it's like it would have been like really hard. Yeah like very heartbreaking to see it's like oh it dropped like a four percent you'd like talk about causation and correlation exactly like oh that you know that's completely negligible yeah like even four percent that's still something yeah i know but it's like it wouldn't i think that's probably what they were aiming for but this like 16 percent to 22 percent like that's actually pretty yeah it's like you know they can you know it's something they could threaten again essentially which is kind of nice to know it's like you know do this like keep keep us like safe and healthy or we'll do this again, which is like, it's yeah. kind of nice to know there's like a way of really, um, you know, trying to get them to react at all. Like getting Twitch and Amazon mm. to do anything. Cause that is a hard thing to yeah. do. Uh, in, in related news. And it, it's, uh, it, it's, it may be a case of just unfortunate timing for Twitch, but, uh, uh, two of like Twitch's biggest, uh, streamers. So Tim, Beta, also known as Tim the Tapman, uh, he had about seven million followers on Twitch uh, last time I checked. Uh, he's uh, gone across to to YouTube Gaming, signed an exclusive streaming uploading agreement with YouTube. And Ben Lupo, otherwise known as Doctor Lupo on Twitch, had about four point five million followers. So both of those guys in the same week and the same week of the protest uh, announced that they were leaving Twitch to head over to YouTube. Neither of them mentioned anything about, you know, protesting Twitch's, you know, lack of uh, action against harassment or, or like protesting the existing policies. It could just be a case that these deals were in the works for a while and they just happened to, you know, happen to have like be announced in the same week. Yeah, like uh, it's but like as I understand it, YouTube yeah, doesn't really. Unfortunate. Yeah, <laughs> YouTube doesn't really have any um real doesn't have the same kind of level of tools. Like you know, people want better tools on Twitch to mm. fight this stuff. And YouTube's, as I understand yeah. it, like way, way below what is necessary to fight them. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's probably not about that is what I mean. Yeah. But YouTube is more focused about copyright. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I could see like Google having like um, chosen to like, you know, um, what's the word? Enact deals like at the same time because, you know, it definitely Capitalize. puts eyes on like an alternative platform. Yeah. Um it's like if they did it on purpose that's smart, but I I bet it wasn't. <laughs> I bet it was just a, an accident. Like I'm sure there were there were like clickbait articles saying, Oh, Doctor Lupo and Tim the Tapman leave Twitch over protest, you know, pr- you know what I mean? Like I'm sure yeah. there were people linking that there. 
But I, I'm of the mind that it's probably just like these things were going to get announced anyway. Yeah. And it just so happened that the protest was happening. And maybe, you're right, maybe someone at Google PR, so Google who owns um, YouTube, maybe had the idea of, oh, well, there's all this kind of negative buzz around Twitch. How about we capitalize on it and see if we can bring over some other t- streamers, like smaller streamers onto our platform and, you know, building on the back of this buzz. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, not really fighting for either of them. It would be nice mm. for Twitch to, like, do something yeah. for a change. And, like, you know, it's it's kind of, like, it's it definitely calls attention to it. It's, like, two of their biggest, like, because I think I saw someone, I saw some comments saying that Tim the Tapman is, like, a very big shift because it represents, like, a cultural shift in the platform because he represents mm. such a significant part of it. Apparently, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not completely familiar. Yeah, it's, like, that could, like, both of these things together could yeah. mean, you know, a little bit of effort in terms mm. of like preserving the people who choose to stay at Twitch. Yeah. Which, you know, will be most of them, but it'll be, you know, it's hopefully positive things out of it. Yeah. Um, Competition yeah. is good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. As much as I don't Twitch like needs. either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what Twitch needs is for YouTube gaming to really take off and do well so that Twitch has to be better. And yeah. you know what? Maybe these protests and maybe these big uh, streamers leaving other things that need to happen is the right direction who knows i guess we'll find out you know in about six months a year or so when you know see what else what what else is the fallout from all the controversy around around uh uh, twitch yeah definitely hard to say right now yeah well well john there's this last story i mean the company behind it is no stranger to controversy especially you know around uh you know what kids should and should not be exposed to but Maybe there's some positive news coming to the the world of Roblox. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you I'm think? Actually, not sure. I would call it positive. I'm kind of curious to see how that yeah. works in people who know it better. But um, the Roblox Corporation, who developed the game Roblox, have finally announced an added voice chat capability to its multiplayer game, which is more of a creation platform than an actual video game at this point. Um, mm. That went f- um, in the form of an invite-only spatial voice beta for creators. So. Um, mm. As explained in a blog post, which doesn't have too much actual insight or information, just a little <laughs> bit, from Chief Product Officer Manuel Bronstein, explained that spatial voice is proximity-based or lets um, players engage in one, quote, one-to-one communication, communication with small groups and close friends, and public communication. So basically, like, mimics what you're trying to do with your voice rather than just, like, yeah, yeah. you know, let you shout, it actually come, you know, conveys a shout, like exactly. we've seen in yeah. many other games. Um, so uh, to finish off furthermore players will be able to report mute and remove others who don't abide by quote community standards which are pretty stringent with Roblox as a very you know kid friendly game it's a game that's Mm. like I think (laughs) unless you're literally a child or you're a parent you don't even know it exists it's it's very at least that was my experience of it yeah like I feel like our generation like people are around our age so people are probably like in their 20s to 30s like i guess when we think of big games we think of call of duty you know Warzone, uh you know like fifa things like that and even a big game like hades is probably like a big indie game right but i think roblox is kind of like flew under the radar for so long like it like minecraft everyone knew about minecraft right it just that was just the game the kids played. And then, like, Roblox, I feel like, seemingly came out of nowhere. Like, I remember yeah, it being... Yeah, but like it's been a, a thing forever. 
Yeah. Exactly. Like, I remember it being a mix of RuneScape graphics with, like, Minecraft ideas. And now it's, like, it's like its own game development platform and stuff. It's it's crazy. Yeah, so it's, like, um, one thing that made me think of was how um, Roblox Corporation, I'm not sure how to actually put it in the right words, but they um, they have shareholders now. Like, they're a publicly yeah, they traded public. company. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, in March, earlier this year. Yeah. And um, one thing it's, yeah, it's, like it's kind of... I'm wondering if these two things are connected. Is this something that was mm. kind of is part of making Roblox bigger among like its players or among other players? Yeah. Like by actually having because it's something I don't. I think that considering the timing of this thing and that they didn't have it already, definitely yeah. makes me think it's connected. Because I imagine with like you know having a community that is like predominantly children, they really didn't yeah. want it. Or at least they were afraid of an act like putting it in just because there's mm. so much to manage yeah, and so stuff. much danger that it introduces. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of curious why they're doing it now. Uh, my, like, this is my educated guess is that Roblox Corporation knows that, okay, there's only so many kids that, you know what I mean? There are only so many kids and there's only so many of them that are willing to, you know, pay for cosmetics and this and that. The people we maybe we could target the people who uh, are you know interested maybe people who like the idea of having a virtual avatar right and you know imagine okay we can't meet in public but imagine doing kind of public gatherings like conferences or like speeches or rallies in 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 a virtual space in Roblox right imagine you've seen we've seen what's been happening in Fortnite where you had kind of the, you know players bopping around while a virtual gigantic Ariana Grande or Travis Scott is like kind of performing on stage. Imagine you had the like imagine as a you had the, the, the roar of a crowd but it was actually realistic sounding. You know, where depending on where how close you are to the stage, you know, how many people there are around you and things like that. Like, yeah, like um, I guess speaking that could be a use for it. Yeah. Like speaking of Twitch though, it's like kinda makes me think that it's like it definitely makes it more streaming friendly. By having, mm. you know, um, people actually able to interact audibly yeah. um, in a game, like yeah. it makes it more like you know, it makes it more like view friendly, like from the outside. I think. Yeah. Like, and probably imagine more watching a Twitch stream. Like you know, like let's say let's say you look at a Twitch stream, right? Imagine, imagine watching a Twitch stream with other people, but instead of chatting via text and chatting via Discord, you're actually chatting in like an environment like a movie theater where there's people around you all watching the same screen and you're talking to each other you're having quick small conversations here and there you know what i mean yeah like that's a bit like how um yeah. vr chat is right it's like a more like baseline version of that yeah yeah, yeah so yeah, imagine yeah. imagine that like imagine what they're trying to achieve with vr virtual mm. reality or augmented reality but doing it within a game that you already have you know that like i can imagine that yeah it's yeah it's like it's hard to say what their like ambitions mm. are. I could definitely imagine the, those ambitions being, you know, um, yeah. wild. I guess <laughs> like very big. Yeah, <laughs> like think about it. Oh, okay. The next, imagine the next Wiggles movie is premiered in Roblox, and kids buy virtual movie tickets and sit in a virtual movie theater, and they laugh and play and have fun, and you see like a stage with, you know, avatars of the Wiggles. Know, I don't know who who's in it now, but <laughs> like you know, could you imagine that? Yeah, I could. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just kind of curious because I I know so little yeah. about Roblox other than that 
kids love it and that it's like more of a creation platform kind of thing that's like mm. most of what I, I and it's like the biggest thing ever that's like i I, yeah. I don't even have like a full comprehension of like just how big it is like I, maybe i can't yeah. anyway but um it's kind like of it's, like the fact I, that that's I, even like a question yeah. is like that it's like even a possibility is like it's like so much bigger than it's like it's so easy to forget it it is at that yeah. level that's the thing like whenever i was like i used to work in retail electronics retail and whenever i sold consoles or gaming computers or like computers in general the parents would ask and the kids would ask can this play fortnite expected can this play minecraft expected and can this play roblox yeah <laughs> which I was, that's kind of what made me think about like oh my god this is actually bigger than i thought i'm just an old man now <laughs> yeah i'm not sure it's a good idea to like voice our ignorance so uh, uh, but hey, you know, I'm sure there are people in the community who like we've got a very diverse community. But you know, as like I think about it, like remember, um, like say ten years ago, 2011, Modern Warfare Three was the big game, right? How you were in school? You were still in high school, right? Yeah, at the end of high school. Yep. Yeah. Now imagine, uh, someone who was. Let's see, that was 10 years ago, right? Imagine a kid who was three years old when you were finishing school is now 13. You know what I mean? Like, the games they've grown up with are so different to the games we grew up with in school. Oh, I get that far. I, I yeah, mean, that like, I just kind of... That's why it's, oh, it's always going to change, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just like, now it's Minecraft like is not... Minecraft is what your cousins play, your older cousins play. It's for yeah. old people. Yeah, but I feel <laughs> like... I felt like I already... F- I I figured out that Fortnite like I figured out mine like Minecraft was my version yeah. where it's like but it's like it was hard to not be aware of it like Roblox yeah, yeah. has so little like cultural cash outside of it or at least yeah. in the, maybe maybe not outside I'm not sure but I but feel like Minecraft was That's a hard thing. thing to like avoid yeah. Yeah. and then it like Roblox has so little presence outside of its own like I mean I'm sure it does have presence in a way yeah. that I can't fully understand maybe uh, but it's it's just like it's so weird to have yeah. a game it's it's such it like you know it's like it's easy to imagine with minecraft like imagine minecraft was just this thing mm. existed and you just never heard about it it's yeah, like it's, yeah. but it's the biggest thing ever but i think it's also because um when i was go like minecraft was kicking off as i was getting into uni right and uh minecraft was kicking off when you were towards the end of high school so you we were still young enough to be considered like okay we know what our what our younger siblings and our younger cousins are playing now we're close to, like i'm i'm turning 30 and you're in your mid-20s now we are like you know more than a decade removed from what the kids are playing yeah, maybe so it is maybe it is like maybe roblox is big like if you go to jb or eb or something you see roblox cards right next to an xbox card or, or a playstation wallet card right so maybe it is as big as it is and we are just aging out of we're just not in the in those circles anymore, you know. We're not on yeah, the playgrounds, no. and well, yeah. I'm not on the playgrounds. So. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, so maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. Yeah, that actually kind of reminds me. It's like it's so rare that I go into like a store to buy a video game or even look at them. Yeah. Like I go yeah. to JB every so often. And I don't even go to the game section. Oh well, I do actually. But yeah. it's like it's so it's like not Can't like at it. the front of my mind. Like it's like it's not something that I like. Yeah you know do like uh, you say roblox mm. cards it's like oh yeah those there like i don't remember seeing them at all yeah like, just, but because i'm so th- there so rarely yeah. like i was in retail until about six months ago and i can tell you 
that right next to the Xbox Live, you know, sorry, Xbox Wallet card and the PlayStation Plus card or whatever was a Minecraft credit uh, and a Roblox credits. Right. <laughs> so it is It is at that mainstream level. It's just we don't see it. Yeah, no, like, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like that, like, I, it's just like, that's so interesting to me. It's like, it's like, yeah. you know, it's like Avengers coming out and there's like only certain sections of the population really are fully aware of it, but it's still yeah. as, as big as it is. Mm. It's just, it's very, I don't know. It's, it's very uncanny to me that it's like, yeah. it, uh, there's so but, few games yeah. of that scale that exist like that. And, and, and the thing is like, it's like a, and, and, and I think also part of it is that we don't see big outlets talk about it. You know, big outlets talk about every Minecraft upgrade, uh, update, yeah, every that's what Fortnite I, yeah. update, but not really Roblox. Yeah, it's like it's like you know, compare it to like WoW or any other like big like MMO thing. Like WoW, you know, WoW was never po- pointed at kids, but it's like it's mm. something that was like, I don't know, that got like mainstream attention outside of it. You know, like it got in like South Park, and <laughs> like it was like you know, like in the same way that Fortnite has. Like Fortnite's something that gets referenced outside of it. Roblox, like I don't think, I mean, it probably happens more than I realize, but it definitely doesn't feel like it happens often. Um, yeah. So. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. That's true. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, you're right. I, like, it kind of crept up and became huge. But yeah. it's kind of skirted the line between mainstream and, uh, like, I think Fortnite went mainstream. Minecraft went mainstream. Like, you could buy t-shirts and stuff of them, right? Yeah. But we didn't really see that with Roblox. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll, I'll wrap this up by saying that I really need to go learn more about Roblox. Because I really yeah. don't like feeling so like divorced <laughs> from information during like exactly. a full fledged conversation about this, this whole this whole episode has been us like um, revealing our ignorance maybe <laughs> yeah over and over again. <laughs> well, John, that that's going to do it for another round of news, um, folks at home. If you'd like to respond to anything we've talked about or call us out on anything we've gotten wrong or how we're old men. <laughs> Uh, you can do so by writing into podcast at doublejump.co or heading over to doublejump.co slash discord and joining and writing in our uh, community discord. Uh, yeah, do that because I don't know, maybe maybe we're completely wrong. Maybe we just haven't been to JJ's in a few months and maybe there are Roblox shirts everywhere and we just haven't seen them. Yeah, we're almost <laughs> definitely wrong. <laughs> I can say that much. Yeah. And yeah, that's going to do it for another episode of Double Jump Radio. Once again, thank you so much for joining me, John. Always, always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. I, I always enjoy this. <laughs> thanks Folks, if you want to learn more about uh, what we've talked about today, you can read all the news in more detail in our Double Jump Digest, which is our weekly news co- recap. You can also go to doublejump.co to read all of our awesome content and find links to all of our social media profiles. If you love what you've heard so far, um, please do subscribe or follow us on whatever podcast uh, platform you're using. And yeah, until next time, look out for one another. Peace. See ya.